All right, Shabbat Shalom and good afternoon. We're about ready to get into our Torah service and go over the Torah portion called Kiddoshim, which means holiness. It's a continuation of Archimot, uh, which uh, it's part of what's called the Holiness Code by the rabbis. The majority of the 613 commandments are given and expounded within the Torah portions of Archimot and Kiddoshim. Kiddoshim alone has like 50-some commandments in them. And basically, uh, Kiddoshim is taking the Ten Commandments and elaborating on them. Whereas the Ten Commandments are just giving a statement, Kiddoshim is explaining how we can carry and live out those Ten Commandments in the right and proper way. So before we get into it, let's uh, say the blessing over the Torah. Baruch Adonai Hamvarak. Blessed is Adonai, the Blessed One. Baruch Adonai Hamvarak Leolam Vayed. Blessed is Adonai, the Blessed One, for all eternity. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Bachar Banu Mechoh HaAmim Venetin Lanu Et Torato. Baruch Adonai Noten HaTorah. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the Universe, who has selected us from all peoples and gave us His Torah. Blessed are you, O Lord, giver of the Torah. And as it says in Psalm 119, uh, verse 18, which is always our prayer, Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your Torah. All right, so if you have your Bibles or your phones, the Bible on your phone, whatever, uh, we're going to be in Leviticus chapter 19, Vayikra in the Hebrew, but Leviticus chapter 19. And uh, I want to talk about God's welfare system. Human beings are so hubris and prideful that they think, oh, we have it all figured out. We know exactly how we're going to take care of everybody. Then they form what's called a government, and then they start trying to put their ideas into practice, which may look good on paper, but it does never it never works out in real life. All these promises of politicians and, and, and world leaders and the campaigns, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, but it hardly ever comes to fruition, hardly ever turns out. Now seems like communism is is having a resurgence kind of a revival and people in the west is like oh what have we been missing this whole time this communism sounds great granted it looks good on paper everybody's equal everybody's fair everybody gets the same thing but all you got to do is look in past history and see how communism never worked out venezuela used to be one of the top exporters of oil one of the richest latin american countries now people are eating out of garbage cans why because of communism everything broke down communism didn't last forever in the ussr in the soviet union seems like after chernobyl it just kind of petered out and it just you know china is still desperately holding on to communism and the only reason that they've held on to communism so long is because it's not true communism it's kind of like a quasi communism mixed a little bit with capitalism and that's why they're lasting as long as they are but you know man is never going to solve the problems of the world the world's ills we are in this predicament because of Adam and Eve, because of our, our foreparents sinning, and we are a fallen race, a fallen you know, society, and we're never going to solve things on our own because, um, for instance, Judas got all bent out of shape one time when this lady came in with a very expensive jar of perfume which could have been sold to feed the poor and to feed the hungry. And what did she do? She broke it and anointed Yeshua's feet with that. You know, well, this could have been sold and given to the poor. 
And Jesus is like, why are you harshing on this lady, man? She's doing something for me. She's preparing me for my burial. I'm going to die soon. And then he says in Matthew 26, 11, he says, you're always going to have the poor with you, but you're not always going to have me with you, at least physically, right? So when he says you're not, you're always going to have the poor with you, that means, in my interpretation, that man in our wisdom, is never going to solve the world's problems, is never going to come to a, a communistic utopia where everybody's equal, everybody's yeah. the same. Every, there's always going to be the one percenters and the elite that have all the wealth and the power, and there's always going to be, yeah, it's not going to be forever, but, and then there's always going to be those downtrodden, lowly people that are scraping by to survive. So in God's wisdom, knowing that we are fallen creatures and fallen creation, God instituted his own welfare system within the five books of Moses to say, look, when you move into the land of Israel, you move into the Canaan land, move into the promised land, this is how you are to operate and to take care of each other. And, I, and, and, it's, and if we as a society, we as a Western world, our governments want to have a successful government, base it on God's word. Base it on the Torah. So in Leviticus chapter 19, uh, starting with verse 9 and 10, it's talking to the agricultural farmer within the land of Israel. He says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap the very corners of your field, nor are you to gather the gleanings of your harvest. Now, the gleanings, it's like they didn't have the big combines and big machinery we have today. They would just, uh, with the one arm, they would scoop up a big you know, cluster of grain, take a sickle, whack it, cut it off from the bottom, and naturally, some of those grains, no matter how tightly you hold on to that bundle, some is just going to fall. And God's saying, leave that there. Don't touch it. Don't pick it back up. Don't be stingy. Just let it lie because I'm leave that for the poor. And when you harvest your field, leave the edges. Don't go from corner to corner. Leave just some around the edges that are some stalks that are still standing. When you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap the very corners of your field, nor are you to gather the gleanings of your harvest. You are not to pick the remnants of your vineyard. In other words, don't, don't go over your vineyard twice to pick those grapes that are really high off or that you left behind or maybe not totally ripe. And then it says, nor are you to gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. Don't get the ones that have already fallen on the ground. Leave them there. Instead, you are to leave them for the poor and the outsider which means the immigrant, the stranger, the foreigner. Why are we supposed to do this? I'm not going to give you an explanation. I'm just going to say because daddy said so. Because it says, I am Adonai your God. Why are we to do this? Because I am Adonai your God. Now notice, in God's welfare system, it's just not like, oh, look at these poor, unadvantaged people. You know what? Mr. Farmer, you are to harvest your grain and you are to hand deliver it. No, 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 not just hand deliver it. You were to thresh it. You were to process it. You were to put it in nice bags and you were to put it on the poor's doorstep because, oh, they're so poor they can't even work for themselves. No, the scripture doesn't say that. The scripture says if the poor wants to eat, they have to go and harvest just like everybody else does. They don't have the money to plant their own garden. They don't have the money to, to hire harvesters and harvest their own field, but they still have to work. Why? Because work is important. Work is holy, as we discussed before our service, that work is something that God gave Adam in the garden. He was to tend the garden, and he was to guard it, to protect it. And the, the work he gives us is not laborious, it's joyful. So even the poor must learn work ethic and, and learn hard work, because it, 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 
there's something degrading and something humiliating, which is not really felt in this generation. Now, my, my family, we weren't rich, but we weren't dirt poor either. But there come a time in my family's life where my dad was just scratching his head over the books, not knowing how we were going to pay bills. He sold his, his beloved coin collection in order to get money so we could eat. One day we uh, come back from somewhere and there were several bags of groceries on our doorstep. We have no idea, even still to this day, who gave us these groceries. But you know, it's not like we were you know, knocking on doors and saying, hey man, I'm kind of down on my luck. Uh, could, you, could, you, could you hand me like $20 so I can get some food for my family? No, we didn't go panhandling or, or knocking on. We had pride. It was humiliating and degrading to stoop to that level to, to take charity or ask for charity or to go knocking on doors because there was pride there. And I don't think that's a bad kind or evil kind of pride. Now, we didn't get all bent out of shape because somebody put groceries on our doorstep. We said, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you spoke to somebody and that you laid it on their heart. So we eventually got out of that hole. But what I'm saying is we always worked hard. Even when we were poor and didn't know where our next meal was coming from, we still worked hard. So um, the perfect example of this passage in the Torah is uh, really um, lived out and spelled out before us in the book of Ruth. Now, the book of Ruth, starting with chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now Naomi, now Naomi was this uh, Jewish woman whose husband and her sons died. Now the sons had wives, and so they were all widows. So two of the, uh, the sons, their wives, wanted to go with Naomi to be with her, and she's like, look, it's not like I'm going to have any more kids that they can grow up and you can marry. You know, go back home, go back home. So one of them did. Orpha went back home. But Ruth said, nothing doing. Wherever you go, I go. Wherever you stay, I stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. She was faithful. So we pick it up in chapter 2, verse 1. It says, now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from uh, Elimelech's family, a prominent man of sustenance whose name was Boaz. So Ruth and Naomi went back to Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the house of bread where Yeshua was born, dirt poor. They were, they were women all alone by themselves. Both of them were widowers. Verse 2, Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, Please let me go to Bethlehem's government system and apply for welfare so that we can... <laughs> no, doesn't say that. It says, Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, Please let me go out to the field. She's asking permission of her mother-in-law to go work. Let me go out to the field and glean grain behind anyone whose eyes in whom I might find favor. And Naomi said to her, go, my daughter. So Ruth went out and gleaned in the field behind the reapers. Unwittingly, she went to, um, she went to uh, uh, Boaz, which was a relative of Ruth. She just so happened to be in the field of Boaz, and Boaz means strength who was from Elimelech's family. He was an extended relative. Soon after, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, and he said to the harvesters, Adonai be with you. And they replied, May Adonai bless you. Then Boaz asked the foreman of the harvesters, um, Hey, who's this young woman? And he goes, She's a Moabitess woman who came back with Naomi from the region of Moab. The foreman replied, She asked, Please allow me to glean and gather from among the barley sheaves. It's interesting, we are right now in the time of what is called the counting of the Omer. And that takes place between Passover 
and Shavuot, Passover and Pentecost. Fifty days from Passover to Pentecost. We're counting up, and we're commanded to count the Omer. And so this is the time where this takes place, the barley harvest. We're counting the Omer. So it's interesting that this is in this Torah portion, you know, Kiddoshim, and we're reading the book of Ruth, which is around that time. So it says, she asked me, please allow me to glean and gather from among the barley sheaves behind the harvesters. So she came and has been working in the field since morning until now, except for a little water while, she, uh, while in the shelter. Ruth was no lazy bones. She wasn't looking for charity or for a handout. She worked hard and she barely rests, just enough to get a drink and cool off in the shade. And she was right back out there harvesting. Verse 8, then Boaz said to Ruth, listen to me, my daughter. Do not glean in any other field or even pass on from here, but stay close behind my female workers. Keep your eyes on the field that they are harvesting and follow after them. I strongly ordered the young men not to touch you. And when you are thirsty, you can go to the jars and drink from the water that the young men have drawn. Then she fell upon her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you have noticed me, even though I'm a foreigner? Boaz replied to her and said, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me. How you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people you didn't know before. Oh, may Adonai repay you for what you have done. And may you be fully rewarded by Adonai, God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Oh, how beautiful that is. She said, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your maidservant, even though I am not one of your maidservants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here and eat some of the bread and dip your piece into the wine vinegar. So she sat beside the harvesters and he held out uh, to her roasted grain and she ate until she was full and there was some left over. When she got up to go glean, Boaz gave orders to the worker, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. Do not humiliate her. Also, be sure to pull out some grain for her from the sheaves and leave them for her. To so, in other words, he's like, drop some stuff on purpose for her. Let her just glean more than she needs. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and when she threshed what she had gathered, there was about an ephah of barley. She carried it back to town where her mother-in-law saw, uh, saw what she had gleaned. And Ruth took some out and gave her what was left over after she had eaten her fill. And her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? May the one who noticed you be blessed. She told her mother-in-law, whom she had worked for, and said, that name, the name of that man from whom I worked is Boaz. So Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Oh, may he bless, be blessed by Adonai, who has not stopped his kindness to the living or the dead. Naomi said to her, This man is a close relative to us, and one of our kinsmen, Redeemer. Then Ruth the Moabitess said, He even said to me, Stay close to my workers until I have finished the entire harvest. And Naomi answered her daughter-in-law, Ruth, It is good, my daughter-in-law, that you go out with his female workers, so that you will not be harmed in the fields. So she stayed close to Boaz's female workers, gleaning until both the barley harvest and the wheat harvest were complete. Meanwhile, she lived with her mother-in-law. This is a perfect example of the Torah that we read in Leviticus chapter 19 playing out in Scripture. Now, let's relate this to the New Testament and how this applies to the New Testament. Now, I love the television series, uh, The Chosen. I think it is bringing a Hebraic perspective 
to the life of Yeshua, to the life of Christ that's never been done on film. You know, he's speaking Aramaic. He's saying Hebrew blessings. He even has like a Hebraic accent. You know, he's, he's not cool. speaking. Yeah, he's, he's not a cool character. Like he's not. Yeah, and he's yeah. he's uh, not speaking with a British accent. On his modest robe is seat, just like I have on my clothes. You know, so it's very biblical. Very. But there's one, there's one episode that I cringed at because I felt like that the writers and directors fully didn't understand uh, the passage they were trying to portray. And that was when Yeshua got ticked off at the Pharisees and he allowed his disciples to glean in the fields because they were hungry. And it's almost as if you get the impression he did it just to spite the uh, Pharisees and the, and the religious rulers and the, and the religious people. And he just kind of did it to poke at them and to, to get in their crawl when that couldn't be further from the truth. So, well, I'm, I'm getting, yeah, I'm getting to that. So in Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, we read about this account. So it says in verse 12, At that time Yeshua went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples became hungry and to begin to pluck the heads of the grains and to eat them. But when the Pharisees saw this, they, they said to him, uh, they said to him, Look, look what your disciples are doing. What is not permitted on the Sabbath? Oh my gosh, they're harvesting. Shame for shame for shame. No, they weren't harvesting. They were eating, yeah. They were not harvesting. They were satisfying their hunger, which I'm going to show you in the Torah, is permitted. So it says, look, your disciples are doing what is not permitted on the Sabbath. So to put this passage in perspective, reading on the surface and really not knowing a Hebraic or Jewish background, you would get the impression that Jesus is breaking the Torah, that Jesus is breaking the law. He's allowing his disciples to break the law. If that was the case, Jesus could never be Messiah. Because Jesus was perfect and he was sinless, meaning he never broke God's law. Because what is the definition of sin? 1 John 3, 4. The breaking of God's law is the definition of sin. So if Jesus sinned, if he broke the Torah or broke God's law, he could never be Messiah and he could never redeem us from our sins. Now what he did break was Pharisaical rabbinic tradition, which was based on scripture but was not scripture itself. So he was bucking against these extra rules and regulations yeah. that the Pharisees laid upon the Torah to make it more difficult to keep God's word. So in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 23, this is what we read, and it, and it totally explains this passage in Matthew 12, 1 and 2. So in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 23, verses 25 and 26, uh, no, that's in Leviticus. Where's Deuteronomy? Okay, here, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 25 and 26. Give me a Okay, it says, When you come into your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes, but you are not to put any in a basket. In other words, you are to eat to satisfy your hunger, but don't harvest it by putting it in a basket and taking it home and saving it till later. Yeah. Verse 26, When you come into your neighbor's standing grain, so Yeshua and his disciples were passing along the road, and beside them was a grain field on the Sabbath. And we see that his disciples were picking grain. What the, what, they weren't saving it. They weren't putting it in baskets or bags or in their cloaks. They were just taking the heads off of it, rubbing it in their hands, and just eating the kernels. Just enough to, to, to satisfy their hunger, which, according to what we're reading right now, is permitted. It's not against God's law. So it says, when you come into the, your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the ears with your hand, which is exactly what the disciples did, but you are not to swing a sickle on your neighbor's standing grain. It's not your grain. It doesn't belong to you. 
but yet you can eat just enough to get a little snack. Nothing wrong with that. But you should ask if there's someone there to ask. Right, right, if somebody's there to ask. But see, because of this law, it was universally known among the Jews that if somebody passes by and is hungry, they can go ahead. They don't have to ask. They can just get a, just yep. a, you know. So the Pharisees were getting all hot and bothered because they considered this harvesting. They considered this working on the Sabbath. And Yeshua was like, no, 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 this is no different when the manna fell. They were allowed to fix the manna in order to satisfy their hunger. On the Sabbath, they were allowed to cook. But, uh, you know, they're not working. They're not harvesting. So hopefully that puts that into perspective here. So gleaning to satisfy your hunger is permitted. Yeshua did nothing illegal regarding the Torah, only, only uh, rabbinic uh, edicts as, opposing, uh, as opposed to harvesting. Uh, rabbinic edicts is the, um, the extra rules and regulations that are placed upon on God's laws. Right, right. They, they just added to God's law. Yeah, they actually made it a little bit harder to keep the, the, the commandments. So they can stay like the only ones who are... The elite. Ones. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, Israel depended upon one another. It was every individual's responsibility to take care of one another, not just the state. So God's welfare system, there was something set up. We, we just discussed it and read about it, talking about not harvesting the edges of your fields, leaving grain that has fallen behind as you've harvested along for the poor so they can come and gather and so they can eat too. So there is a provision in God's law. God's law is not about handouts because that degrades human beings and that degrades work ethic. And we're seeing the results of this today where generation after generation has lived under a welfare system. They're expecting a handout now. This is my right. I deserve this. Oh, yeah? Who said? Well, my grand, my dad and my grandpa took it. Well, it doesn't mean that you have to. You're able-bodied. You're not disabled. Get off your bum and go work. What did the Apostle Paul say to people like this? He said, if a person does not work, he does not eat. There's not to be any lazy bones among the community. Now, if you're disabled and you, are, you legitimately can't work, that's another thing. But even then, the Torah provides that we're supposed to take care of one another. If you see somebody in need, help them out. You know, I mean, I think of that passage where it says, if you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. You see somebody hungry, give them something to eat. You see them thirsty, give them something to drink. You see them naked, clothe them. You see them in, in sick, go visit them. You see them in prison, go visit them. He says, you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. So if you're, whatever you do to your fellow man, it's as if you've done it to me, your Lord, your Messiah. So we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. If we were hungry or thirsty or desperate or destitute or in poverty or need, we would want somebody to help us. So this Torah portion, part of holiness is not being stingy. Part of holiness is being generous, giving as you are able to give. Another part in the holiness code in this Torah portion was that if you have a day laborer, you don't wait until tomorrow to pay him. You pay him that day. Why? Because back then, he was likely going to use that money, and as soon as he got off work, he was going to buy a meal for his family. That meant if he didn't get paid that night, his family would go hungry until the next day. So God considers not paying a laborer his wages at the time he's supposed to be paid. He considered it as, as robbery and as fraud and cheating. And so we are to be generous. You know, sure, you're to take care of your family and you're to take care of your family first. You're not to take food out of your children's mouth just so somebody else can eat. But whatever you have, you can divide it up and split it up and give it to somebody else in need. And you know what? We're going to be coming upon a time where we may have to remember this and institutionalize this, so to speak. 
because, um, you know, watching some latest news reports I was watching five and 10 the other day. And Derek Gilbert was talking about how the food prices are skyrocketing and we can become into a financial food crisis really quick because of all the events that are going on in the world. What happens when, when, you know, and I notice I work at a grocery store and I notice I used to get four pallets every, every uh, two days. Now I'm just getting three. I've noticed that there's some products and goods that are not coming in because there's shortages. I noticed that people are not buying certain things anymore. They're just buying the basics. Why? Because gas has gone up, rent has gone up, bills have gone up, you know, food prices have gone up. So they're just getting what they need. We're probably going to be coming into a time where we're going to have to ration food. And like, save. You mean and, save? Yes, yeah, save. Save and ration food like, way, like back in the 20s during the Depression. And you're like, oh, I'm it's just all out for myself and all this is for so I got to survive. We use salt instead of refrigerators, which we should already be doing instead of paying extra bills. Yeah. I mean, there's Super. natural ways that, yeah. to, to keep food. I mean, and they the used electricity. to. Electricity. Yeah. You don't need to be paying electricity. There's lots of free energy. Uh, we're just not seeking the right information. We're not seeking the wisdom and the knowledge that we're, we think that we have. We don't have. Well, my grandparents. We have knowledge to get money. Yeah. But we don't have the knowledge to not need money. To be self-sufficient. Yes. And so my grandparents used to have what's called a root cellar. And it's, you know, they dig underground and they line it with cedar. And it was it stayed a constant temperature re, re, uh, year round. And it could be a refrigeration unit for canned goods and whatever. And, you know, it'd be good to, to go back to that. But, you know, because we're heading into a time like this, it's going to test our, our, our love for one another. And we have been inundated by the media, by television shows that are teaching us to be all out for ourselves. Yeah. And look, I'm not, I'm not slamming any particular show and I'm not saying that, that, that this is why this show was created, but this is what this show is teaching if you watch it. The Walking Dead, yeah. the time when all the zombies are roaming and so you got it's every man for himself and you've got to stay with your group and you can't trust any other group. It is teaching us not to trust one another. It's teaching us not to love one another. Yeah. It's teaching us not to help one another and provide for one another. And we as believers in Messiah Yeshua must go by the Kiddoshim, by the holiness code yes. to show that we are set apart from the yes. rest of the people. I mean, be smart. Yes. I mean, if, if you get a bad feeling in your gut, trust your gut, yeah. trust what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. But otherwise, help somebody else. If somebody's in need, you help them and don't make excuses not to. Mm. Because you know what? Sometimes atheists are more holier than we are mm -hmm. because they don't believe in a God that's going to provide. They don't believe in miracles. They just believe in themselves and they think, if I don't help somebody, nobody else will. Yeah. If I don't make yeah. it happen, it won't happen. Yeah. They don't rely on prayer. They, they, they rely on works to get it done. And James... So it measures out, like, if you were to measure, like, you know, the Holy One who thinks he's holy and he's doing all these things and following all these rules, yes, he's, he's seeking to do the right. He's seeking to okay? do the right thing, right. You know, he means well, just like every other religion, there's all of these people that are misled yeah. are seeking God. Well, even in Romans, they, it's, they, Paul talks about how not to be judged by us, you know? people in Rome, Paul is talking in Romans about people that are pagans or ungodly, but they're still following a form of the Torah because they're, you know, trying to do the right thing. But anyways, in James, James gives a perfect example of this. He says, look, he says, what good is it when you see somebody hungry and naked and say, oh, bless you, be warm and filled, and you don't do anything to warm and fill that person? Yeah, yeah. You're a hypocrite. Yeah. Faith without works is dead. It's great to pray, but if there's some, don't pray for something that you can do yourself. Oh Lord, please provide this family with a with a good meal. Oh yeah, well how much you got in your bank account? Yeah, I know that things are rough, but you got enough to buy them at least one meal. 
You don't need to pray for me to do this. You do it. Oh, Lord, help these people. These little children don't have coats for the winter. Go to the Legion and, and buy a used coat. In the first place. Like, they're supposed to pray in secret. They're not supposed to, to do that. Yeah. 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 So, you know, there, we can be an answer to somebody's prayer. So this Torah portion of Kiddoshim is talking about being generous and, and using the blessings that God has given us in order to help somebody else mm. and not just look out for ourselves. Mm. If we look out for others, God's going to look after us. I mean, like I said, don't take food out of out of your own kids' mouths to feed somebody else. But we we live in a society where we have surplus. But in a way, in a way, sometimes your children are well off and they got a full belly, and some children haven't had for two weeks. Right. So then, in that case, it would be good to give your child to me. That's that's a good point, and that's part of what fasting is, because the purpose of fasting is not just saying, "Oh, look how holy I am. I'm fasting." The Jewish tradition was is that when you fast, the meals that you're skipping, you were to give those meals to the poor. So it's built in to the activity of fasting to take what you were going to eat and give it to somebody else. But there's something about fasting, though, as well, that opens up uh, something about in the brain, I think. Uh, it's like uh, oh, yeah. a lack of food, and then our brain seeks to, to, to provide for itself, and it goes and gets water other places or whatever the hell the body does there. your body's it's magical it itself it heals it and that's right. why it's good not to take pharmacy which is the pharmacy stuff because then it enables your body from creating its own uh, natural things natural to form. yeah right so like when you fast it kills your faith because you think you need that to cure to heal right when you fast that opens you up to be more spiritually sensitive and that's what so anyway okay we're getting off topic here let's go to um uh, John chapter 13 and uh, starting with verse 18 so it says uh, is that, hopefully I got that right oh yeah okay I'm not speaking to you all this is Yeshua and uh, they are at the Passover Seder so it says I am not speaking to you all I know whom I have chosen but so the scriptures may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. From now on, I'm telling you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe that I am. That I am. Amen, amen, I tell you, he who receives the one I send receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. After he said these things, Yeshua was agitated in his spirit and testified, Amen, amen, I tell you that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at each other, perplexed. Who is he talking about? One of his disciples, whom he loved, which was John, was reclining at his side, and Simon Peter nods to him and says, Ask him who he's talking about. Then he who leaned on Yeshua's chest asked him, Master, who is it? Yeshua answered, It is the one who I give this piece of matzah to, and after I dip it. And after he, dipping the matzah, the unleavened bread, he takes it and gives it to Judah, or Judas, uh, Iscariot, Judas or Judah from Kiriat says in the Hebrew, the son of Shimon. And with that bit, Satan entered him, and Yeshua tells him, "Whatever you're about to do, do quickly." But no one reclining at the table knew why Yeshua said this to him, since Judah or Judas, in other words, had the money box. He was he was the treasurer among the disciples, basically. Some thought Yeshua was telling him, "Buy what we need for the feast," or that he should give something to the poor. And then it says, so after Judah received the bit of matzah, he left immediately. Now it was night. So 
This you this thought he was poor and you should have it. Well, no, no, no. Giving to the poor was built in to Jewish practice and Jewish customs before every Sabbath, before every high holy day. It was tradition for Jewish people to give tzedakah, which tzedakah it means righteousness, but in this case it means giving to the poor. So that's why naturally the disciples thought, okay, we don't understand why G Yeshua just said this, but maybe he's telling Judah to go buy more supplies for Passover or to give something to the poor because we're about, you know, we're, we're in this holiday. So giving to the poor, Zadaka, is built in to the Hebraic faith. And so that's why we need to, if we're going to be holy, we're going to be set apart. We yeah, need to practice. Different than the rest of the people. Right, different from we the rest of the people. We need to be generous uh, to other people, and um, in being generous to other people, we are showing Messiah's love, Christ's love. Um, okay, so we're going to close with this passage in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Now, we've been talking about being good, holy, generous, loving, sharing, helping other people, being the welfare system God intended instead of depending on the government to be the welfare system. There's a warning in this. Because you know what? It feels good to give. It feels good to help others. And that can almost be a curse. That can, yeah, that can turn against us because it says, Yeshua said in Matthew 6, beginning with verse 1, Beware of practicing your zedakah. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others. Yeah. See how this righteousness, the zedakah. Right. So this zedakah. This is what the disciples thought Judah was going to do when he left the Passover Seder to give money to the poor because that was tradition, right? So now Yeshua is addressing that in chapter 6. Beware of practicing your zedakah, your righteousness before others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you do zedakah, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets so that they may be glorified by men. So they had these trumpets. They're like, attention, everybody. Attention, everybody. I'm about to give money to this poor person right here. Look how great I am. Right? Yeah, well, now today people do it. Like, they'll talk to somebody that looks down at them because to secure themselves, they'll go share something with them that they did for somebody else to gain points with that person so they can, because they have an agenda and they want something from that. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's a good point. Yeah. So and it, so it says, um, whenever you do zedakah, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the street, so that they will be glorified by men. Amen. I tell you, they have their reward in full. You want the glory of men? You got it. But you will get no glory and yeah. reward from God. Verse three. But when you do zedakah, if you're going to do it, this is how you do it. But when you do zedakah. Do not left, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your zedakah may be sincere, and your Father in heaven sees it. Who sees in secret, he shall reward you. Another translation says, what you do in secret, he will reward you openly. So it's just like that person that gave my family bags of groceries that one time. We have no idea who did it, don't even want to know who did it. But they could have went around town saying, hey, guess what? We helped out the shoemakers. You know, they're, they're, they're down on their luck, and, and they're having financial issues, and, and, and we helped them. You know, so now how do we do this today? They we, do that to glorify their church so people will come and see their church and not the other one so they can grow in numbers and stuff. Yeah, that sometimes that happens. But you know what? We don't have trumpets that we blow to get people's attention when we're doing a good deed. But we have cell phones 
that we take pictures with yeah. and put on Facebook and Twitter and say, hey, look, I found this homeless person and I gave them a cheeseburger from McDonald's. <laughs> you know, click, 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 click. Yeah. Look at my selfie. Look at me helping this person. That's, that, that is the modern day equivalent yes. of blowing a trumpet before you yes. and, and, and getting people's thing, attention. You said it all ago. Sorry for interrupting, but this is meaningful. Uh, you said about that uh, some of the unholy ones are more holy than... Okay, well, this goes for that as well. Yeah. Because some of these people are on... Uh, they do this. Like, if there's one guy that I know that does this, and he's got... He's, a, he's like, really famous for it. But actually, yeah, he's doing it. But look how many people learned to be giving and have cried in joy and saw something they'd never seen before, never understood why people help people right. when they're in trouble. Never understood it, but now they understand because this person persevered. It's your motives. And sacrificed himself. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Knowing this, then what God must have been calling him to do something, and he sacrificed his that which would be a, not necessarily a commandment, but one of the rules, because God was doing something with him that maybe not doing with you or you or you. Or you. Yeah. You know what so I mean? motive is a big part of it. Are you doing it to get glory of men, or are you doing it because you really truly want to help somebody? And why do we do good things? Why do we help people? Just so that, oh, God's going to pay me back with something good if I do this. No, no it's then it's not going to happen. Pure in heart. Yeah, that's right. You've got to be altruistic. You know what, God, I don't, want any, yeah, I don't want anything from this. I don't want you to do anything for me. I, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this because I'm concerned mm -hmm. about this person. Mm -hmm. I don't want any reward. I don't even want the accolades of men. And I don't want any blessings from you. If you want to bless me, that's up to you, God. But I'm not doing it just so I can get your blessings. I'm doing it because I love you and I love people. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's all the 613 commandments wrapped up in two commandments. And he said those two That's commandments so are actually one because he said the, the first commandment, the second is like unto it. It's equal to the first, love your neighbor as yourself, yeah. which we get from this Torah portion in Leviticus 19.22, if, if I'm remembering it correctly. And do we love, your love our neighbors as ourselves? Yeah. Do we? Let's check ourselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, e exactly. Yeah. So um, helping others is the only way to write out what's coming because we hear what's coming on the news. They're talking about it, and, and it's a buzzword, the Great Reset, right? Yeah. You're going to own nothing, and you're going to be happy, right? Yeah. So uh, they're trying to get rid of the dollar, the, the physical, monetary, financial system, and have yeah. this Great Reset or whatever. Wow. But again, it's man trying to imitate God trying to improve on what God has already said, which if they would follow God, everything would work out. The Great Reset is actually a counterfeit Jubilee and a counterfeit Shabbat year because every seven years, the economy in Israel was reset. Every 50 years, everything yeah, that was sold. So the elite can lose their place and the logo behind that will well, it, way, like they change it up, right? Well, so yeah, it's a way to make everybody fair and equal. Yeah. And so people will continue to have the inheritance that God yeah. gave them because they may have to have sell it because they were hard up a few everybody years or something. And everybody gets what was theirs back. Mm -hmm. So the Great Reset is proposing a false counterfeit sabbatical year, a false counterfeit jubilee mm -hmm. year. Don't be fooled. It sounds great, looks good on paper, but I guarantee you it'll never work out. But if you, if everybody does or did what God had commanded in the five books of Moses, we would have a great government. We'd have a great world, a great nation, and a great life. But because we're trying to improve on what God did, and we're going away from that and rebelling against God, because what else does it talk about in Kiddoshim? The things that will vomit you out of the land. What are the main things that will vomit you out of the land? Idolatry. Stepping What's out on God, idolatry is worshiping other gods, yeah. worshiping idols, worshiping, Any. you know, putting, putting your anything money first, exactly yeah. your money, putting anything before God. So idolatry. The second thing is sexual immorality. Yeah. 
The Which sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. Can you say LBGTQAI plus movement? No. Yeah, the alphabet group. I What's mean, that, that is the, the, that's the, the you know the the, the the that is the sexual immorality. You know, and and used to like uh, uh, these things were very shameful done behind closed doors. Now it is all out in the yeah. open, and it yeah. is and it is all accepted. And if you schools. don't, it's in yeah. schools. Yeah. 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 You don't like it. You don't agree with it. You're intolerant. You're a hater. Yeah. 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 All this kind of stuff. So this is sexual immorality. It also humbles the religious leaders uh, because it, it because the thing is is we're we're the ones kind of like like we're, yeah we're following the Bible. The Bible says do not do this, but then we're chastising our children, blessed is who's chastised, right? But unknowingly hurting them and that so they can't even feel and be a child. You know what I mean? We're yeah. already bringing them into adulthood before they even get a child. Oh yeah, yeah. Us. We're telling them adult things yeah. that they have no yeah. business knowing right Savage, now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um you have idolatry, sexual immorality, and then you have, you know, uh basically the other thing that vomited them out was the practice of, you know, drinking blood and consuming blood whether it be in your meat or bloodletting yeah like this vampirism and and occult activity because it it takes its life it's actually yeah and god said it's life and he says don't this is holy this life is only to be exchanged on the altar between me and my people it's not to be taken and right it's not your game to feel it right exactly so these are the three things that vomited the people out of the land and that's why judah went into exile into babylon and Israel went into exile in Assyria and never returned. Now, we as Canada in the United States are Judeo or were founded as Judeo-Christian nations. In other words, we were founded upon the principles of the Bible. We were following the God of Israel and we're following the Bible. We put our own spin on it, yes, but nonetheless, we're still well, following this scripture. Bible, this is one of the places on earth where there's as much, the biggest, the most of, of disciples in the world. This Just this little area from Woodstock, like we're actually one of the Bible. It's a Bible yeah. belt. It's a, it's actually pretty special. So when uh, so when the pilgrims came to the United States, they were looking for a new land, just as Israel is looking for a promised land. And they believe that God led them to what is now the United States of America, and they founded it upon Judeo-Christian values and principles. And God blessed America, and they have been the top dogs of the world for years. And now we're starting we're to slide. Away now. Exactly because we are allowing, we are breaking God's holiness code. We are allowing idolatry and sexual morality to over overrun our nations, yeah. and as a result, Lack of God may vomit us out. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 28, it talks about the curses that will come upon you when you disobey God's yeah. commands. And it's it first it'll be it'll be economic and agricultural disasters. That will lead to, you know, um, hunger, hunger, poverty. Mine's going to start. Yeah, and that's another thing. Vitamins you need. That's it. Won't have any energy. It won't be made with love. In factories, everybody's ah. And that food, it's it's dead, dead food. No, there's no energy. It's not made with love. And it's interesting you said that because if you keep reading Deuteronomy, we're made of water. If we're not love, our conductor is not conducting any good energy, and it's not helping no one. So if you read. You first is economic and agricultural crisis, which leads to poor health, which it talks about in Deuteronomy ch- chapter 28, that I will send confusion among you. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's because you're not eating good and maybe, yeah. you know, stuff that you just pointed yeah. out. Good and good. then then it goes into that you will start becoming a target of other nations that want to take you over. And then they'll take you over. They'll, they'll, take ocu- food, they'll occupy. They'll, steal your stuff and they'll, 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 they'll take over and they'll occupy. 
And then the last step in that parade is if it gets much worse and the nation doesn't repent at that point, then you'll be carried off to their country. You'll yeah. be carried off into yeah. exile as a slave. Yeah, That's exactly what happened yeah, to, to happened Judah. In Grand Falls, actually the pawn shop used to be, there's a tunnel under the pawn shop where I had that. It goes to the States and they used to bring people from the States and they were refugees a long oh, time wow. ago. And they used to come right out of that pawn shop and they were brought into the Grand Falls and then spread out and given jobs in secret. It's a shame to talk about the things that are done in secret. You know, when we talk about uh, the cabal and we talk about all these stuff that they're hiding, sometimes we don't always know the full story. We don't really know what they're doing. Maybe they're bringing awareness. Okay. Well, we're getting off start something to, to bring people and run okay. back. To we're getting off we topic. Know. We're yeah. getting off topic. Yeah, yeah, so anyway, just yeah. to all right. So the, the things that are done in secret. A while ago, I wanted to mention that yeah. we're not so, supposed to talk about this. So um. Okay, train Sorry, of thought guys, here. I, I apologize. I, I can't help myself. So, uh, what was I saying there? Oh, yeah. The last step in that parade is being carted off in exile to somebody else's country. That's exactly what happened with Judah, with Babylon, and with Israel, with Assyria. And the Assyrian exile has never ended. There are 10 lost tribes around the world, people that are part of Israel and don't even know it. And they're starting to wake up to that fact. But if Canada and the United States continues to rebel against God, rebel against his word, rebel against the Judeo-Christian values and principles we are founded upon, we're going to see economic crisis, food crisis, financial crisis. We're going to see confusion. We're going to see other nations want to try to take care of us, to take us over because they see that we've broken down from the inside and become militarily weak. Mm -hmm. And then if they do take over, because guess what? China has had their eye on the United States and on Canada for a long time. And the last step in that parade, if repentance doesn't happen and God steps in and intervenes because we repent, then we could actually be carried off. Mm -hmm. People think it can't happen, but guess what? We, we, have, we have beaten the statistics because usually countries or, or, or empires only last for a few thousand or a few hundred years. Mm -hmm. America is, is, is past that point now, and it's at a point where in history, usually a country is dissolved and it's overturned. So we're living on borrowed time prophetically. Well, actually borrowed money, and now China is coming back for land because there's no money to give them. Right. All right, so let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you, Lord, for what your word has revealed to us today. So, Lord, I pray that through your word that you would just help us and teach us and, and, and inspire us to be, to be more generous, to be more loving, to be more secretive about it, you know, and, and in the fact that we just, we're not looking for attention. We're not looking to, to, to flood social media with our goody-goody exploits and good deeds, but, Lord, that we do things because we love you and because we love other people. And we know that this is the way you have set things up for us to take care of one another. And that, Lord, if the, if, if the body of believers would, be, would begin doing this in earnest, we would have no need for government subsidies. We would have no need for dependence upon government welfare systems because your word already instructed us how to do this and how to do this right and correctly. And, Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. So I'm going to end with the uh, ironic benediction. Yeah.
Vechunecha Yisa Adonai Panavelecha Veyasem lecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Bashem Yeshua Moshenu in the name of Yeshua our Messiah. Amen.